Community. Being in community as a church, as a group of believers. Now, I'm not talking about the suburb or the place where you live, the community where you live. I'm talking about the sense of belonging, the sense of ownership, of shared values, of understanding and receiving the love of God, and all that goes along with knowing that you belong somewhere, knowing that you've got a purpose and you belong and you're a part of something really significant. Because, friends, God designed us, you and me and all of us, to live in community. In fact, He designed it people to live in community why is that because God lives in community himself you know when God created the world it said God said let us make people just to be like us well who I said the other day who's who's the us probably father son and holy spirit we don't know but we know that God lives in community surrounded by multitudes of heavenly angelic beings And I think when he said, let's create people to be like us, he just wanted to share more of his goodness and more of what he is with people and with us. He wanted a bigger community and to to experience his goodness. You know, in in genuine community, I hope you can get a hold of uh, my heart today in in this word community and what what it really means. I'll explain it a bit as we go along this morning. But when you're when you're in community with other people, there is there is love. That's where you experience life. There is healing in community. There is fruitfulness. There is life-giving relationships are established and nurtured when people are in community. But it's under threat today. That's why we need to talk about it uh, this morning. Um, so look, at the times we all live in, have been described as accelerated disruption now i don't know i don't know about you but from from my observation of the media and what's happening around the world today just about every one of the foundations and institutions that we built our life on are being challenged and threatened today and some of it some of what's causing that is technology actually there's a lot of there's a lot of things that have changed of course but technology is changing our world I don't know if you know about this, but a hundred years ago, in 1921, standing on the platform in Norway beside Albert Einstein, who was receiving the Nobel Prize for Physics, was another guy receiving the Nobel Peace Prize, and he said this. I can mention his name, but doesn't you probably won't. You've never heard of him, so it doesn't matter. In 1921, this guy said, "Technology is a useful servant." but a dangerous master. A hundred years ago, that was said. Now, we all know that, look, technology is a wonderful thing. And, and I, I love technology, but technology is dramatically changing our world today. Think about blockbuster video. It's just consigned to the dustbin of history. Technology and the way we do uh, streaming and the way we do media has changed that. Music stores have gone, gone the same way. And just, just a couple of weeks ago, Sanity Music, Australia's biggest music retailer, you know, went along with the horse and cart. You know, things, things are changing dramatically. Uh, what about the accommodation sector with Airbnb? Uh, dramatic changes in accommodation sector. What about the taxi industry? It's still hanging on. 
but Uber is causing massive change to the taxi industry. What about uh, healthcare and logistics and financial services and defense? The list goes on of things that have been already radically changed because of technology. But guess what? You know about artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is being developed right now that will ramp up technological change by an order of multitude, order, order of magnitude at least, if not several orders of magnitude. So I'm not wanting to scare you today, just to say that we need to be ready for change in our world. Our world has changed so much, but what we're going to see in the, in the two decades ahead is a lot more than the last two decades. So again, it's not meant to be scary, because look, I love technology. You know, I, I'm, I'm a mostly early adopter, and I, I don't ever jump on something as soon as it comes out uh, because, well, mostly you don't do that. But I like to wait and just see, is this actually, you know, well, number one, as good as they say it is. Number two, does it work for me? Is it going to be good for me? And I, I encourage you to be, you know, to sort of pause a little bit when new things come out. Just because it's new doesn't mean to say it's great. It might be new, but it might cause problems, you know, and we're not going to get into that today but um, but massive change has only just begun because artificial intelligence hasn't really kicked in just yet but a lot of people are working on that uh, I know there's some software people here today I hope I'm not saying the wrong thing am I telling the right thing Will is that am I telling you saying the right thing but <laughs> I hope I am but um, actually I was talking yesterday to a uh, a guy who's a, uh, a graduate software engineer yeah, that's what he does. He writes software and he's doing his master's degree in it. And uh, he, he was working, spent a lot of time working for um, uh, companies uh, deliberately hacking into their websites just to find the vulnerabilities. That's, that's what they do. Uh, they pay people to hack their websites to check how strong they are and so robust they are. And he was talking to me about uh, passwords and what hackers do to uh, infiltrate uh, and discover your passwords and it was a little bit scary uh, but anyway um, it was okay I, I got through it so I, I love technology and, and around the world friends millions of people or large numbers of people are hearing the message about Jesus for the first time through radio and uh, the internet and all kinds of other ways and so technology is is a part of God's plan really to to tell the world about Jesus and to communicate with people. So that's, that's a wonderful thing, but we need to just, like I said, pause long enough to ask, is it really good for me? Here's some things I want to share with you uh, this morning about, about this, because, friends, we can be online and feeling like we're together and still be lonely. It's the truth. I want to share with you, with you some statistics about uh, Gen Z, young people today, because it's particularly relevant there. And some of you might love what I'm about to say, and some of you might not love it so much. This is from the Australian Institute of Family Studies, uh, the uh, Australian government-approved uh, uh, organisation that studies families and how they work, and from the Australian official Australian Movement Guidelines. Okay, so I'm not making this up. Uh, these are the, this is the recommended screen time for children and young people. Are you with me? Okay, I, <laughs> like I said, some of you are going to love this and some of you are not, but that's okay. No screen time for children younger than two years. 
Zero. Because, the, because they're not ready for it and it's, it's, it's damaging for them. Right? Zero for children younger than two years. And now for children two to five years, no more than one hour per day, one hour per day for two to five years. For um, children and young people aged five to 17, now this is not including their schoolwork. Uh, we're talking about sedentary recreational screen time per day. So sitting in front of something, it's really this is all about movement and physical exercise, okay? The, the, the official Australian government recommendation is no more than two hours of sedentary recreational screen time per day. Now, I, I tried to get some definitive and authoritative uh, measure of actually uh, how much screen time it actually is common amongst young people today. And uh, there's, there's a bit of a range of different figures. You, it's hard to get an exact anything. Uh, but however, it's in the range of uh, five to six hours per day for uh, teen, teens and, and young adults. So what we're saying here is that probably, you know, two to three hour times what is really um, healthy. That's what's actually happening. Now, that's not what I want to talk about, but what I want to say is this, friends. At the same time as our technology consumption is going up, the world is suffering an epidemic of loneliness. I want you to think about this this morning because what promised you connection with people is not really happening. The world is suffering an epidemic of loneliness that is a major cause, not the only cause, but a cause of the, the increase of mental illness and mental health problems plaguing our world today. I, I listen to the news. I don't know about you and watch the news, but they're always banging on about mental health problems. Now, I'm not saying we don't have mental health problems. We all have mental health problems, if the truth be told, but... It's increased. It seems to be a lot worse these days than before. Loneliness is one of the drivers of that. And we've got to ask some questions. Why is that? It's a major contributor. Okay, here's a, a recent global study led by UQ. Now, this is a, this is a, a very authoritative study of 577,000 adolescent respondents in 42 different high-income countries, okay? Now, I'm, I'm a bit chuffed that our Queensland University led this study, but it was done from 42 different countries, almost 600,000 respondents, all adolescents. This is what they said. Um, we found there are some benefits during the first hour of daily screen use. The first hour of daily screen use for adolescents actually had some benefits for those people, okay? But detrimental effects of recreational screen use on mental well-being kick in after 75 minutes of use for girls and 105 minutes in boys, Associate Professor Asad Khan said from UQ. Okay, so the first hour is, is uh, maybe actually be beneficial, and after that, it starts to cause, uh, you know, there are certain negative detrimental consequences. So excess screen time affects can include depression, obesity, no, excess screen time. Not talking about now study, not talking about work. We're talking about recreational screen use. Excess screen time effects can include depression, obesity, poor quality of life, unhealthy diet, and decreased 
physical and cognitive abilities. You know, I don't know whether you, you, you picked up that last bit, but, you know, when I read that, I thought, man, I don't want to look at, looking at your phone it, to excess can be, you know, an, a real negative in your life. Anyway, we're going to move on. Let's talk about God's plan for a healthy community. That's the next slide. God's plan for a healthy Here's how God designed us. This is what God had for you in mind. And I want to talk about the magic that happens when people come together and are personally present. Now, we can talk about church coming together like this, but it's not just about church. It's also about other things like small groups or, or groupings. And, and I think this can actually happen in other, other settings outside of church. But it's, it's more powerful and significant for us as believers, because Jesus said, when, when, you are, when you come together and I'm in your midst, something amazing is going to happen right there. And that's what I want to talk about today. There's something amazing that happens when Jesus is in the midst of his people. When we come together, and that's what, where real community happens. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, about the early church. Now, I've shared with you before about how when you, when you want to study the Bible, very often if you go to the first instance of something, the first mention of something in the Bible, there's often keys and principles that you can use to apply right through every later on use of that principle. So this, this is the first time this has really happened in the early church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So they were really committed to this. They were serious about getting together, and they were serious about the apostles' teaching and for sharing in meals together and, and to pray, praying together. Okay. It's interesting how, see, the, the apostles' teaching, that's like content. Okay, so they had content and fellowship is community. They had content and community. When you put those two things together, that's, uh, that's really significant. Something happens right there. The word fellowship here is so important. It's used a lot of times in the, in the New Testament. And it's a, it's a Greek word. It comes from a Greek word called koinonia. I'm sure you've heard of it before. You may have heard of it before. But uh, that, that word means it's, it's much more than just, just hanging out. Uh, it's more than just socializing. It's, it's a word that means a sharing of life, having things in common, sharing resources and practical needs together. And that's what the early church did. They, did, they were experiencing something. So, so how, how does that work? How does it really happen? Um, I just want to say here this morning, friends, that, that true community, what, what God, the way God wants churches to be and the way that we can grow as believers flows out of what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, and also what we add to that. So it's two parts, God, the supernatural, and, and the natural flowing together. Let's talk about the supernatural part first, giving and receiving God's love. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Those of you that might know it in some older translations, it says uh, the love of God has been shed abroad or, or, you know, given to us or poured out in our lives, like it says here, poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So, see, friends, this is all about love, really. 
It's really about loving one another. And, and if we can just get a hold of today the fact that it's the love of God in our hearts that flows out to others that really makes this work. It's not just me, you know, really deciding, oh, I, I really have to love people. I don't like them too much, but I'll try and love them. It's saying that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. And when we can get a hold of that, that becomes really significant. Friends, it's hard to isolate yourself and hold bitterness against other people when the Holy Spirit is at work, is working amongst us as a church. That's why we need to give time and we need to major on what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us. When He's at work, when the Holy Spirit is working amongst us, it's hard to be, you know, hold bitterness against people, other people, when, that's, when that is the case. So, so we don't have to struggle to love other people. All we need to do is receive what Jesus has done in us and let it flow out to others. Let's, let's read from John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus said, let me give you a new command. Love one another. Yeah, a new command, love one another. In the same way I have loved you, you love one another. Now, this is, this is actually pretty radical because it's a major shift upwards from what the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, says. It's a complete departure from that. Because God instructed the Israelites the first people of God, he instructed them to love your neighbor as yourself. You had, to, you had to love other people the same way as you love yourself. So if you didn't love yourself, you didn't really need to love your neighbor. Number one, that's the first, first thing. Number two, the word neighbor actually only means people who are exactly like you. It means people who are ethnically and culturally like you. So if your neighbor was someone who was completely different from another country, who didn't look like you, didn't think like you, didn't talk like you, you didn't have to love them. That was a problem. And in the church of Jesus, what Jesus died for and redeemed us for, it's not like that. It's, it's a much, much higher standard. Jesus said, I want you to love one another in the same way that I, Jesus, loved you. I gave my life for you. I poured out my life. My blood was shed for you. My body was broken and bruised for you. Love one another the same way as I loved you. And that, that word love there, it is the agape kind of love. That's what it means in the Greek. It means a self-sacrificing love. So is this, is this okay or is this a bit heavy? <laughs> it's okay. It's not meant to be. It's not meant to be heavy. <laughs> love one another as I have loved you. So here's the thing. We don't have to struggle and strain to love other people. What we need to do is just let the love of God that we've received from Him just flow out to others. That's, it's a, that's that easy. It's not complicated, not hard. In fact, that's why, you know, um, we don't have the Ten Commandments on the wall over there saying, you got, this is what you've got to do, 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 do. Is because really this command actually encompasses everything else. Because if we get this right, all the other stuff will fall into place. We don't need to worry about the other stuff. It's gonna, this, is, this is the deal. This is what Jesus said. This is what the Apostle John said. I'm only giving you a new one commandment. Just do this. Okay, so that's, that's the supernatural part. That's the God part. Now let's talk about what we can do because we can add to that 
we can be intentional about community, about some of the other instructions that, uh, that we, we read in the New Testament, we can add to that and we can, um, community can really happen very powerfully when we do these things. So, uh, you know, we already have a pretty good basis at Livestream here for community, I think. I just love the fact that after church, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to get people out the door after a, hanging around for an hour or so. Or, you know, everyone's had about three coffees and they've talked to everybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of wasted. I'm trying to get home. And it's because uh, I, I can't be pretty ill. I, I, I have not been able to get here earlier than Dave Siler just yet. I'm, I'm working at it, but I haven't worked out what time he gets here. Where are you, Dave? But, but I'm here pretty early, <laughs> like 7.30 or something like that. And, and uh, so, so we all hang around after church. That's fantastic. It's a great sign. It's a really good sign that people want to hang out and want to talk to people. It's wonderful. That's community happening right there. But, you know, there's also other things like um, small groups are a really significant part of this. Small groups. And I'm, this really, uh, if you haven't picked it up, this is actually a plug for small groups this morning. That's what this actually is. So, but what, what excites me is that small groups here at Livestream are sort of springing up. They're just popping up, you know, and, all, you know, without me engineering it. And so it's really good. Um, well, I do a little bit of engineering, but uh, so, so if you're not in a small group, why don't you find one or join one or start one? Because small groups are a, a wonderful thing, and I, we, I will talk more about them at a later date because it's so significant. But what I want to do this morning is talk about, just to finish this off, talk about the, the one another's of the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, there's a lots of references to um, this is how we should act towards one another. It's not like love one another and, you know, help one another and be kind to one All those one, now there's about 30 of them. There are around about 30 one another's in the New Testament. I've just picked a few of them out this morning that I want to highlight for you. And uh, you, can, you can look them up and read all the rest of them. But basically, it's, a, it's a, um, a manual on New Testament, New Covenant behavior in the church. How we should react and relate and respond in blessing other people. Let's talk about some of these. Number one, live in harmony with one another. Okay, now, uh, Romans 12, 16, he's talking to Christians, to believers here, and he's saying, well, why has he even got to say this? Live in harmony with one another. You'd think that uh, Christians would already be doing that, wouldn't you? Well, the fact that he needs to say it, maybe not. You know, maybe it's possible that we don't always you know, just get along with one another that well. Maybe, maybe we need to be a bit instructed in that. So here it is. Uh, bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. <laughs> He's talking about Christians here, right? <laughs> no cursing other Christians under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Shed tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies and don't be the great somebody. I just think that is so powerful for us today. You know, just to know that you don't, we're not just always looking for that person that's, that, you know, is culturally exactly the same as us so we can connect and click with them. But we're willing to go to someone 
and who, who's nothing like us and just, you know, encourage them and say, G'day, you know, I'm so-and-so, you know, great to see you this morning. You don't have to be just culturally like everyone to, to, uh, to be able to connect with them. And can I say, I've often said this before, that that's, that's one of the, the magical things about the church is that the church is not a, a grouping of people who've got a common interest, even though we do, of course we do, but, uh, but, you know, if you go to a footy club or you go to, a, you know, a service club like a Rotary club or, you know, Apex club or, or whatever club it might be, you know, that's, people are there because they, they're all like each other in a certain extent. But in the church, there should be the most massive diversity of people you can ever imagine because Jesus came for all, you know, and we don't have to be experts at anything. We can just be loving God and we can relate together, you know, as, as the church. So live in harmony with one another. I think that takes a bit of working on. You know, we'd have to work at that. Uh, would you agree? We'd have to work at that sometimes. So here's the next one. Build up one another. Romans 14, 19. Now some of my headings here are from a, a different translation, but Romans 14. Let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. Help others with encouraging words don't drag them down by finding fault. So that's saying about building people up. So I think that's something you've got to practice. We have to practice doing that. Uh, it doesn't necessarily come uh, intuitively and naturally to all of us, but we need to learn how to build up one another. Uh, accept one another. Romans 15. Uh, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory in your life. So these are all these are all sort of working in together and saying the same thing, but accept accept one another. So important. Here's a good one. Care care for one another. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 25, it says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts that's each of us, those separate parts in, in the body. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the, in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. So, you know, I think we could spend a lot of time talking about this. This is, this is so uh, full of meaning and uh, richness in how a church can relate together. And so um, I can't, we can't really get into it today. Just to say that he's talking about caring for one another. Uh, ser- serve one another uh, in Galatians chapter 5. So it's absol- absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. And I, I know we've talked about this a lot in the past also, but uh, I, I love the servant heart of people in this church and the fact that we have, you know, an amazing uh, team of volunteers here at Livestream. So 
um, but there's probably still other opportunities. So if you want to, I mean, one of the responses to this message is if, you, if you're not involved in volunteering in some area and, you, and you'd like to be, there's some little forms over on the back table over there. Grab one of those and tick a few boxes of how you might be able to get involved in serving one another. It's one of the, it's one of the ways that we, you know, bless other people and, and respond to other people, serving one another. One of the things that uh, helps us all to grow uh, what about this one? Forgive one another in Ephesians chapter 4. So make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. <laughs> Again, the Apostle Paul is talking to Christians here as well. Uh, it's interesting. I, I've often thought of this, you know, because in, in the book of Ephesians, he, he starts off at the start of the book saying about our position in Christ. You know, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's so amazing how as believers... God has given us this amazing position in Christ. And then he says, now that you understand your, your, who you are as a Christian, stop lying, cheating, stealing, all this stuff. You know, it's easier to think that Christians are perfect people. They're actually not. They're not. So it's, it's why some people get, get uh, knocked off course. They get dislodged because they, they see, they, they come into a church and they seek someone doing something that they don't like or and they think oh i thought you people were all perfect no no that's why the apostle paul says make a clean break with all cutting backbiting profane talk be gentle with one another sensitive forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as god in christ forgave you that's a pretty tall order but he wouldn't have said it unless it was possible paul said do this that means it's possible and we, we can forgive people as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave us. The last one, show hospitality to one another. And like I said, I just picked a few of these out really at, at random, but show hospitality. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, Love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. And some other translations say, show hospitality to one another, you know, cheerfully. And so uh, I, I just think this is a, this is a, a wonderful uh, encouragement and instruction to, to all of us to, you know, um, Maybe it doesn't come naturally to you. Look, look, it's true. Some people are more naturally inclined and gifted in all, towards this, this type of thing. Some people find it so easy to just do this. Some people struggle with it, and I, I understand that. Uh, but, but the Apostle Peter is just encouraging us as a whole uh, just to be aware of the times we're living in. Everything's coming to an end. It's about to be wrapped up. Let's be hospitable one to another. These are uh, aspects and parts of what it really means to, to build and establish and develop true community in, in the church. So, so there, there are things that we can do, um, as I said before, to, to build this. Really, it's about the love of God being demonstrated within our relationships with each other. You know, if you've received the love of God, if you've experienced God's love for yourself, then we should be able to let that flow out to others. And that, that's a healing experience. You know, the, whatever's been in your past, wherever you've come from, uh, it's the love of God 
more than anything else that's going to bring healing into your life. That's going to bring a sense of who God meant you to be, who God created you to be, who God made you to be, who, who He destined you to be. It's His love towards you that makes all the difference. So things we can do, you know, join a small group. I, or, or I said before, start, start one, you know. Uh, volunteer on one of our teams uh, here is, is a great thing also. Now, what about planning to share some meals with other people? Can I ask our creative team just to come back, please, for a few moments? Um, what about asking, just pray and ask God, what can I do to live out these godly expressions of one another's to other people? You know, if, maybe you want to go through those again, that you can get, there's a copy of my notes in the back, you can take a photo of it with your phone or whatever if you want to get a list of those one another's. But, but they are they're good things, or even, even those quotes that I had before. But um, can we quick close our eyes for a moment? Because I just believe that God is wanting us to open our hearts to Him today and to just do business with Him this morning. Mm-hmm.